Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Get Your Goat. Your host, Josh, here. And there might be too much to get into today. I wanted to do a show Monday, but I was in complete shock of what I witnessed this past weekend in the divisional round of the playoffs. What an epic playoff, all four games that it was. I don't think anything can ever top that. Uh, so I'm going to get into that in Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, the Rams at crazy game, then the Bills, Chiefs, game of the year right there, game of a decade, one of the best playoff games ever, one of the best games ever, hands down. Is Tom Brady going to retire? What's Aaron Rodgers going to do? Sean Payton is stepping away. I'm going to talk about that, then move on to the NBA Lakers getting a D back. What does that mean for them? Uh, then the NHL as well. A lot of teams surging right now, hitting a strong point, but are they doing it too soon? We're halfway through the NHL season. Now I'm going to give you my top five teams, you know, 41 games in. So let's get started with the NFL. And that being first game I want to talk about is the Los Angeles Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This one is hard for me now to talk about it now that it's kind of three days old. And Sunday, I was had so many emotions. This game definitely made me lose a couple years of my life. So much anxiety. And for most of the game, it just shouldn't have been that way. Uh, the Rams were up. Early, 10-0, Ryan Suckup, field goal, 10-3. So, first quarter, I'm feeling good. I thought the Buccaneers, you know, would start a little slow. The Rams start fast, usually like they always do. Uh, the Buccaneers piece together some good runs with Leonard Fournette, but they abandoned that at times, which I thought was questionable. Uh, then... The Rams score a touchdown at 17-3, to and that's kind of where it starts going downhill uh, for them. It's because the touchdown there, they drive down the field. Ryan Suckup misses a field goal. Then they go down and get another uh, field goal. The Rams right after that, so now it's 20-3, to and it's teetering on the brink of a blowout. A couple minutes left in the half, and Tom Brady throws an interception. And right there, I'm like, I think this is over. The Rams are driving down. There's a few seconds left. You know, we're trying to get a touchdown. They make it 27-3 to at half. But that doesn't happen. Uh, Antoine Winfield recovers a fumble from Cam Akers. They need it. And we're only down 20-3 to at half. So there's a little bit of hope. I'm feeling all right, but still... This is not the position that I thought Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks uh, would be in. So you start the third quarter. Los Angeles Rams get a touchdown. It's 27 to 3. 27 to 3. Rams, and I'm thinking this is over. This is not the game I expected or wanted this kind of, you know, performance for the Bucks to go out like this. Uh, is definitely not what I want. But then the Buccaneers, you know, march down the field. 
and they kick a field goal. And at the time, it's 27-3. to The fans are booing. They're like, why is this, you know, three touchdowns, three two-point conversions. That gets us 27-27. Now it's 27-6. Now we're just three touchdowns away still, and we couldn't get anything going. Well, what happens? Cooper Cup fumbles. Buccaneers now get a touchdown. It's 27-13, end of the third quarter. Now I'm feeling good. Now there's hope. There's hope. But the fourth quarter, the defense for the Tampa Bay Bucks holds strong, but the offense can't do anything uh, with it. You know, they're punting. They're turnover on downs. Uh, there's a few of them. Uh, Tom Brady fumbles a football. But then the snap goes over Matthew Stafford's head after the ensuing possession. And there, Shaq Barrett recovers. You know, they drive down and still they cannot score. Eric Weddle had a hit on Mike Evans. And it was helmet to helmet. He got called for unnecessary roughness. And everybody's thinking, hey, that's a 15-yard penalty. That's an automatic first down. Uh... But what happened is the ball hit the ground somehow before the hit. Of course, like it was such a weird play that it was kind of, you know, batted down. And then Mike Evans took a huge shot, so they get it. But then the defense stops them. And right now there's only like four minutes left. And I'm thinking two touchdowns in four minutes. That's a little ridiculous. But what happens at that point? Three plays and a touchdown for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady throws an absolute strike on a rope, on a dime, just a dime perfectly placed to Mike Evans, 55 yards on Jalen Ramsey. The so-called best cornerback in the game got dusted by Mike Evans. And Mike Evans, he's not the fastest wide receiver in the league. He isn't. Uh, he's more of a possession wide receiver, and we tell Jalen Ramsey is the elite cornerback, you know, with the speed, the zone skills, the press, the coverage. There's no one like him playing his position right now. Well, I've watched him the past few weeks, and it seems like he's getting turned around a lot. Mike Evans did it to him. I saw Debo Samuel do it to him a few weeks ago, and Jawan Jennings. He's very beatable, and Tom Brady threw one of the best passes of his career. It was beautiful. So now there's hope. There's three minutes, 20 seconds left. You really don't need an onside kick if you trust your defense to stop them on three downs. So that's exactly what they do. First down, stop. Second down, Nadama Kong Su forces a fumble. And the crowd is going crazy. Levante David recovers. And now they're driving. They're at the Rams 30. They get to about the Rams 10. It's fourth and inches. Everybody in the world's expecting a QB sneak. I'm expecting a QB sneak. The announcers are expecting it. The Rams defense is expecting it. And of course, they don't QB sneak it. They hand it off to Leonard Fournette, Watson for a touchdown. Wear it 27 all. I'm going crazy. This is nuts. All the memes are back. 28-3. to three, Tom Brady was a few years ago against uh, the Falcons. Won the game. Down 27-3 to three this game. He has come back. 
But what happens? There's 30 seconds left. Rams have one timeout. Buccaneers have zero. They sack Matthew Stafford. They call a timeout, so it's second and long. Then they let Cooper Cup get a first down to around their own 45. And I'm thinking, hey, there's one guy you don't want. It's Cooper Cup. Then what do the Bucs do? Call an all-out cover zero blitz against Matt Stafford. And Matt Stafford this year has been the best quarterback against blitzes. The best quarterback. And he makes them pay. He throws it to Cooper Cup, who is wide open. Now, again, if you want to do cover zero, but you've got to have somebody on Cooper Cup. The slot corner coming in, and you're going to leave Antoine Winfield uh, right there. And now there's, they said, there's miscommunication. Not everyone blitzed, and it's true. The linebackers didn't blitz there. But you've got Matt Stafford, who's the best quarterback, and you're just, you just don't want to prevent a field goal. So I don't get it. I like the Raiders and Jets, where the Jets did the same thing to the Raiders, and they got burned doing it. It's not a smart play call or smart play design. You know, you make them get the first down, but then, hey, they have to eat up 10, 15 seconds a clock. And the great thing is, Matt Gay was short a 47-yarder, a 47-yarder in this game. He had an injury pre-warm-ups, so you're fine. You're like... We know this guy has a big leg, but he's injured. We'll take our chances with a 45-50. But when you give him a 25-yarder where all he has to do is just pooch it in, it's unbelievable that the defense and the play call by Todd Bowles let this happen, and the Buccaneers lost this game. Now, I'll tip my hat to Matt Stafford because in the first half, he was good. He was good overall, but second half, uh, he really wasn't you know, that good. You know, it was a tale of two halves for both the Rams and the Bucks. For the Bucks, scored 24 unanswered points. Tom Brady was great in the second half. Mike Evans, Fournette, his defense, except for that last play against uh, Cooper Cup. Now it brings me to this. Tom Brady. There was a report Sunday before the game. That could be his last game. Now everybody is wondering about Tom Brady and his retirement. And now, if you've been listening to my podcast, I've been doing this for just about over a year now. So I just, again, it's been a year. want to thank everyone uh, for listening that's been listening the past year. But over the past year, if you've been listening to me regularly talk about football, you know that I have a fond admiration for Tom Brady, think he's the GOAT, best quarterback ever, best athlete ever, and I think that game took a toll on Tom Brady to come uh, back like that, but then to lose the game in that fashion, it's kind of heart-wrenching, and then to say, hey, he's proud, he's satisfied, you know, could those be the words, the last words of a man? That is done playing football. I certainly hope not. I certainly hope that was not his last game. Uh, you know, on the flip side, if he would have won that game, gone on, go to the Super Bowl, I could see that, but hey, he completed that comeback, win the Super Bowl. But to go out in that fashion where your team didn't play good in the first half, you didn't look good, 
But you did accomplish something you've never done in your career, uh, which was getting flagged 15 yards for an unsportsmanlike conduct. That was crazy uh, because Von Miller obviously roughed him, made co- uh, contact with the quarterback's helmet, you know, and I've seen less egregious calls than that. Sometimes, you know, they get flicked in the helmet and it's, uh, you know, 15 yard or so. This one, it's kind of a little helmet to helmet down there in the chin area. He gets busted up and is bleeding. And then Tom Brady turns to the ref and then the ref throws the flag on him. I did think that was a little comical. It was a bit much. But Tom Brady, the GOAT, might retire, might not. To me, that's, you know, the biggest story over this game. To me, that overshadows the game is now, hey, is it now gone without Tom Brady? I think he is the greatest of all time, the greatest athlete of all time. Uh, You look at other great athletes, you know, that have won the game, or all-time greats. You look at Wayne Gretzky, great individual player, uh, nine championships, but or not, sorry, nine MVPs. But when you look at him, you know, for such a great player where he wins nine MVPs, why don't you win more championships? You won four in Edmonton. We, you know, just a dominant team with Mark Messier and folks. But then you couldn't win one anywhere else. You had good teams with the Kings and the Rangers, and you just couldn't win. Whereas Mark Messier was on that team, and he won one with the Rangers. So I look at that and say, hey, four is great. Four is good. But for a player of that caliber, I expect a little more. Michael Jordan. Six for six, you know, no game sevens, multiple scoring titles. Uh, He's one that's probably, to me, the closest to Tom Brady. He's great, but the one thing Tom Brady did that Michael Jordan didn't do is he won somewhere else, and he was great for the duration where Tom Brady's 44 years old and should win MVP, and Michael Jordan, you know, in his late 30s, 38, 39, Nowhere near that conversation. He kind of fizzled out there with the, uh, now I forget what last team he played for, Uh, but it was not good. You look at LeBron, you know, he's been to as many finals as Tom Brady, but he's come up short in a few, whereas Tom Brady hasn't come up short in any of them. Yes, he's lost some. But he hasn't come up short. It's not like, oh, Tom Brady's the reason why they lost this game. Uh, You know, the Nick Foles game, uh, he throws for over 500 yards, and they still lose the game. A brilliant performance. The Giants games, he leads them to what most people would be game-winning drives. And then the defense can't stop him. So it's not like he has played poorly, whereas LeBron, you know, his first finals – didn't play good uh, at all. Actually, the first two uh, with the Cavs and then with the Heat against the Mavericks. And again, he only's got four NBA Finals. Uh, Tom Brady has seven. He's seven out of ten. Six of those game-winning drives. He's got three MVPs. To me, he should have four. He should win this year. Uh, he is just the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And to go out in that fashion still hurts me, still haunts me. And I don't know if that can be 
his last game either. Because that might still haunt him. I don't know how you go to bed every night knowing that that is your last game. Because I still have a hard time uh, going to bed thinking about that. After that game, I was nauseous. I felt like I was going to puke. My heart was beating so fast. Uh, it was it was not a good feeling. Just to know that they came back. They came back and the defense screwed them. It's what happened. The defense screwed them. Uh, and I didn't like Matt Stafford's post-game comments about, you know, stealing your soul. I get if you want to make some quippy remark if you're a good quarterback. But you're 2-3 and three in the playoffs. You just won your first two playoff games. You've done nothing compared uh, to Tom Brady. I mean, if you want to talk about stealing your soul, the Cowboys did that to you in a playoff game. The Seahawks have done it to you. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, if he wants to say he owns the Bears, he can say he owns you, Matthew Stafford. He's beat you plenty of times. So uh, you got lucky. And even with the Rams this year, two years, Kyle Shanahan has stolen your soul, stole it week 18. So, you know, in hindsight, I don't think that was the best remark to make uh, for this team because they've got their hands full this coming week. And right there after that game, I thought that was game of the year. But comeback, and then a game proved to be even better. That was the Bills and the Chiefs. What a game that was. I mean, it was kind of back and forth all game long. Buffalo scores, takes a lead. Kansas City takes a lead. Buffalo ties it. Kansas City takes it back. Buffalo gets close. And then there's 25 points scored. In the final two minutes, 25 points. Bills take the lead with two minutes left. Get the two-point conversion. But I thought right there, you left Patrick Mahomes two minutes. You might tie, they might tie this game, or they might even win it. They score with a minute left. It's 33-29 Kansas City. Buffalo still has a couple timeouts. Then I thought, Kansas City, you might have left... Buffalo, more time than you should have. And that's exactly what happened. Buffalo scores with 13 seconds left. They take a three-point lead. And at that, I think it's over. But Kansas City still has its timeouts. Then, 13 seconds left, the inexcusable happens. Uh, short route to Tyreek Hill, runs it, calls a timeout. There's like seven seconds left. Then they do a pass to Travis Kelsey. And he gets up to within field goal range with a second left. And it was just poor defense by the Buffalo, Buffalo Bills. They played way too shallow because you just didn't need to protect a touchdown. You needed to prevent a field goal also. And you let both Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey run around free all game long. It was embarrassing. And then Bucker. Ties to the game with no time left. It's 49 points, or 49-yarder, makes it 36-all. We go into overtime, and at this point I'm thinking, whoever wins a coin toss is going to win the game. And Kansas City wins a coin toss. They march down the field and win the game. Walk-off touchdown to Travis Kelsey, 42-36. It was an exhilarating game. I mean, just brilliant 
I mean, all over. Patrick Mahomes, you know, was great, was sensational, a QBR of 96, a passer rating of 123. Josh Allen, a QBR of 90.3 and a passer rating of 136. The quarterback show, it was on display. The offensive fireworks, it was just great. However, one thing I thought of was, you know, I thought the overtime rules need to change. And it's not a big change that I'm suggesting. My suggestion is both teams should get the opportunity to score. Uh, I don't like uh, how you win a coin toss. And it's basically decided by the coin toss. Because if you go down and get a touchdown, the game's over. Whereas, you know, you get a field goal. The other team still gets a possession to win this game. So... I definitely think that, hey, no matter if they get a touchdown, you know, if they get a touchdown, uh, the other team should be able to respond. And, you know, if you hold them, game over, safety over, you know, or a safety opening drive, it's over. But however the rules are now. But I think the overtime rules should change because this isn't the first time this has come up. I look back a few years ago when I was rooting for the Chiefs over Tom Brady that game goes to overtime, the AFC Championship game. Tom Brady wins in overtime. Patrick Mahomes never touches the ball. So I think the overtime rule should be changed to allow both teams a possession. Because this offense, maybe that game was good the way it was because I don't know if either team could stop because both defenses were terrible that game. I mean, Gabriel Davis for Buffalo had eight receptions, 201 yards, and four touchdowns. That's insane. That's an insane stat line right there. Tyreek had 11 receptions, 150 yards, and a touchdown. Both quarterbacks were their top rushers. Josh Allen had 68 yards. Patrick Mahomes had 69 yards. I mean, the quarterback ability, you know, was just on display, the ultimate display there. I mean, this, it was just sheer madness. This game, uh, one of the top games I have ever watched, you know, to end in a walk-off like that. The Chiefs won this game, but I definitely thought the Bills were deserving I feel bad for Josh Allen, and it kind of soothed my pain a little bit, thinking the Buccaneers lost, you know, a few hours earlier, but the Bills fans had to lose that one, which might have been worse, because there was 13 seconds left. You know, the Rams, you know, was tied, they had 30 seconds left, whereas the Bills were up, and there was 13 seconds left, so that's one I feel bad for. All, all the Bills fans right there. Now moving on to the 49ers and Packers game. This is one I predicted right. I thought the Packers would lose this game and Niners would win. And it didn't look good early on for me. But as things started to get rolling, 
It looked better for what I thought would happen. Exactly happened. Green Bay started off strong. Opening drive, you know, five-minute touchdown drive. Good passing to Devontae Adams. Good running game. A.J. Dillon gets the touchdown. And they're in business. It's 7-0. And then once from that point, no points for them. Uh, San Francisco, you know, couldn't really get anything going, you know, near the end of the half. They start a drive. And what does Jimmy G do? He does what Jimmy G does best. He throws an interception. You know, George Kittle, he has him wide open. And then he starts running around. And then looks at George Kittle and decides to throw it when the defender has made its way. It's behind George Kittle. It's short. And it gets picked off. Bad throw. So now, you know, Aaron Rodgers has around 30 seconds to go out, you know, and get uh, a field goal or a touchdown. So Aaron Rodgers flips it to Aaron Jones, who's wide open, and he runs it for 75 yards uh, just short, you know, of the touchdown range. And San Francisco's defense holds strong. So Green Bay is going to go kick the field goal before half, make it 10-0. And what happens? San Francisco blocks the kick. It's about the length of an extra point, and they let the edge guy uh, just run free, don't even get a block on him, and he just runs through and blocks the kick. And crowd's kind of in shock at that point. Like, what? that's not supposed to happen. Uh, so it's still a game. It's 7-0. We go into the third quarter. Robbie Gold. Kicks a field goal. He's still perfect, you know, in his uh, history of postseason kicks. We get into the fourth quarter. Hey, Mason Crosby makes his field goal. It's 10-3 now. But the Niners just can advance the ball. They can get some first downs. But they can't finish off any drives. Uh, They turn the ball over on downs, you know, deep into Green Bay's territory. uh, Off a play design that just did not work. Green Bay gets the ball back. They can't do anything, so they now they have to punt. But this is what happens. They have to punt with 441 left in the game, and it gets blocked. San Francisco just runs through. They block it, and that ball is up in the air for what seems like 10 seconds. I don't know if it was ever going to come down. It comes down, and Green Bay scores and gets a touchdown off of it. I mean, San Francisco gets a touchdown off of it. And we're at 10-10. Green Bay gets the ball back. They can't do anything with it. It's Niners ball. You know, they're driving down the field. No time left. Robbie Gold kicks a 45-yard field goal as time expires. Wins and walks off the game. Just brilliant. I mean, just a great performance by the San Francisco 49ers in resiliency and defense and special teams where Jimmy G didn't look good. You know, you know who else didn't look good? Aaron Rodgers, who to me had his worst postseason appearance or playoff appearance 
He had a QBR of 19.4. Didn't throw one touchdown. Only threw through for 225 uh, yards. Uh, so he, you know, was very lackluster in this game. Uh, and this is a guy that a lot of people thought was one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Now we're talking about it, you know, with this postseason appearance and this playoff appearance, this loss. His legacy took a huge hit because, like I've been saying, he's been to one Super Bowl. He's won one. But you look at the echelon of quarterbacks, you've got the GOAT in Tom Brady, who's been to 10, who's won seven. He has every record to him. Then you've got, you know, to me, the one tick below him is Montana, who is recognized as the GOAT there for a while. Then below him, you know, you've got the Peyton Mannings, uh, the Terry Bradshaws, the Troy Aikmans, the Staubachs. You've got those guys right there. And Aaron Rodgers could have been in a position to be there right with him. But you got one Super Bowl. One Super Bowl. That's there with, you know, Brett Favre and other guys who just have won. Uh, you're not a multi-championship level guy. So that, to me, it's great. It eliminates him from any great conversation, you know, unless he wins one. Now the conversation is, what's he going to do? This was supposed to be his game. This was supposed to be the Packers here. They have the one seed again. Playoffs go through them. They wanted a nice cold weather game so that the opponents, you know, you know, could not get used to it because we're the ones accustomed to this. This is our house. And the 49ers come into your house again. They beat you one time here uh, like five, six years ago, and it was another frigid game. And the 49ers gave it to you. They just did the same thing this past weekend in conditions that you wanted and the 49ers came in here, beat you up, stole your lunch money, and ousted you out of the playoffs. Now you're going to be $50 million over the cap. Now you have to decide, what are we going to do with Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams? And I think Aaron Rodgers is gone. I thought the only way he stays is if they make it to the Super Bowl. Now that's gone. They don't even make it to the championship game, uh, where they at least have the past couple of years. They can't even make it out of a divisional. And now when you look in retrospect, it's even more painful because you could have played the nine or you could have played the Rams, who it seems like the Rams just can't beat the Packers. Uh, and that would have been a nice path because the Bucks were eliminated. But you can't uh, do that now. Uh, and another thing, Aaron Rodgers is too dependent on Devontae Adams Aaron Jones, I think, like, let me check how many completions he had. So Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, had 18 receptions of Aaron Rodgers, 20 completions. So only completed two other passes to people, not Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, one to Lazard, one to Mercedes Lewis. And, of course, the Mercedes Lewis one was a fumble, so I get not wanting to throw to him. But you had Lazard open. A few times, one near the end of the game, where you threw it into double coverage to Devontae Adams, and Lazard was streaking down there. 
you know, could have gotten into midfield, gotten into field goal range, and you could have been the one on the other side of this winning 13-10, to 10, but he missed. Not Aaron Rodgers' best game at all. Hurt the Packers. Now they're left to wonder what's next. Bengals and Titans. I thought Tennessee would win this game. Even with the, uh, what's it called? The uh, Derrick Henry coming back, I thought they'd win this, even with the metal plate in his foot. I thought the Titans had a very good shot of winning this game. I picked them to win this game. However, what does Ryan Tannehill do? Ryan Tannehill throws three interceptions. One on the very first drive of the game. The crowd is pumped. This place is loud. And he throws an interception the first play. Uh, Defense holds. They kick a field goal. Um, And it was a lot of field goals all game. Evan McPherson, uh, four for four from field goals. He had a very busy night. You know. And I don't get why. Ryan Tannehill didn't throw to A.J. Brown more. We all know there's a clear connection there. A.J. Brown had five receptions, 142 yards, one touchdown. He was feeling it. But his quarterback was not feeling it. Uh, You know, the Titans sacked Joe Burrow nine times. Nine times. This offensive line, you know, which has had question marks all season, it reared its ugly head this past weekend. Uh, with the Titans, you know, getting after him and pressuring him so much. So for him to not get injured, to kind of stay back and, you know, was just phenomenal. But to me, there's two things that are key here. One, in Tennessee, they get a touchdown. They make it 6-6 in the second quarter. They go for a two-point conversion because of a penalty on the Bengals, so they try to get it up a one-yard line. And to me, that changed the complexion of the game a little bit because you can kind of take the lead there and make it 7-6 and just say, hey, instead of going for the two points, uh, that gave a lot of momentum to the Bengals' defense, I thought, stuffing Derrick Henry from there. So you have that. Ryan Tannehill opens the second half with yet another interception on his first play of the game. Uh, Then, after that, uh, near the end of the game, a little screen pass, Ryan Tannehill throws another interception. What do we learn from this? Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill is just not that guy. He is not the quarterback to beat these other AFC teams. And it's sad because they've got a great team. They've got Julio Jones. They've got A.J. Brown. They've got Derrick Henry and another good running back in Deontay Foreman. Their defense, much improved this year. Kevin Byer taking another step. The signing of Bud Dupree, Jeffrey Simmons. Insane year. So they wasted a good year. But now you've got to upgrade a quarterback. When you've got in the AFC alone... Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, Lamar Jackson, even Derek Carr's a little respectable as well. But when you have those guys, those are all better than Ryan Tannehill. The Titans need an upgraded quarterback if they are going to advance 
any farther in any future rounds of the playoffs. They need an upgrade at quarterback. It's unacceptable for them to lose this game for Ryan Tannehill to throw three interceptions and just look that bad. A quarterback rating of 10. 10. A scale of 0 to 100. Just a terrible performance. Now, Joe Burrow, his quarterback rating was not much better, 28. He didn't throw a touchdown. You know, sacked nine times, you know, total of 68 yards. That's not good. But he didn't make the costly, costly mistakes that Ryan Tannehill made. Uh, So the Bengals now move on to the AFC Championship game. Now, other news about the NFL. Sean Payton is going to step away from coaching in the NFL. You know, now there's all this uh, decision. He's unsure of what's next. You know, could it be TV broadcasting? Is he just going to sit out 2022 and then try to coach again the following year? We don't know. He says he doesn't know, but he just said his heart, you know, is just not in uh, to coaching you know, right now gave an emotional 90-minute uh, press conference yesterday. And he's just been great, you know, in the 15 years or 16 years he's been in New Orleans. Nine, ten win seasons, nine playoff wins. He's won a Super Bowl, dropped Jabriz in there. And they've had tremendous, a tremendous amount of success. Even this year, I thought he had one of his best coaching jobs, you know, losing Jabriz. And this was a good team with Jameis Winston at quarterback. He tears his ACL and it kind of all, you know, falls off uh, the wheels there. But Sean Payton was just a tremendous, uh, tremendous quarterback uh, or head coach and one of the best head coaches in the league. So it's sad to see him go, but I guess we'll see, you know, what's next for him. Uh, a lot of people thinking, could he land in Dallas? Could he take a year off, you know, learn the game, study it a bit more, enjoy some time with his family, and then be like, hey, Mike McCarthy, if he doesn't shape up in his year with the Cowboys, he doesn't get them somewhere. He doesn't get them to a championship game. Do they fire Mike McCarthy and then allow Sean Payton? to coach and come in. That's an intriguing storyline. I do feel like it's a bit early to talk about it, but hey, for Cowboys, Mike McCarthy, you got to do better, and you've got to start winning some games right now. Now transitioning to the NBA. The Los Angeles Lakers, they get Anthony Davis back. And they win. Again, that was against the Brooklyn Nets. But it was at home, so of course you don't get to see Kyrie Irving. And James, or Kevin Durant, is injured. So it was just the James Harden show. And the Lakers looked good. To me, this was one of the best games they played. Of course, it was with AD back. And I like this because of the defense that AD brings when you're missing your best defensive player 
I know Frank Vogel's a defensive-minded coach. You should be able to uh, at least make some headway. But Anthony Davis is the key defensive cog. I'm fine with him not shooting any three-point shots, not pulling up. I'm fine if he only gets 10 to 15 points a game, as long as he's one of the best defensive players. Yeah, he is last week, or as he was last night, and has been in his life. One of the best rim protectors, paint protectors. It was great to see him back on the court, you know, look good. You know, the Lakers now with Anthony Davis, LeBron James, I don't care what happens to Russell Westbrook, but LeBron's, you know, he's just been great. But now it's, the question is, can AD stay healthy? That's always a question because we see how good they look, you know, with him. The Nets yesterday were right there around first place, you know, second place. Now they dropped down to third with that loss. But the Lakers, with Anthony Davis, have a chance to compete. They do. But too many times I have seen this story with the Lakers. In a short time, he's been there. I've seen it too many times. They look so good with him. Then you have some weird injury that hurts his knee or his elbow. And he shut down for a month or so. They lose all chemistry and rhythm. He comes back and is good. Gets injured. So that is, you know, the biggest concern is AD's health. But, you know, if you have AD in there, you have a chance. And like I said, if you're the... Los Angeles Lakers, you ideally want to get to the fifth spot. I think the top four for the Lakers are out of reach. But if I'm the Lakers, I really want to play the Utah Jazz in the first round. So I'm looking at them. I'm saying, hey, can we get to Dallas? We're three games behind them. Can we catch up? What's realistic? Let's get to that spot to then face them to avoid the Phoenix, the Golden State, the Memphis in the first round, because we don't want that smoke. Utah, Utah we can hang with. But the rest of the teams, I definitely fear them more than the Lakers. Utah is a team that really does not fear me. What else happened in the NBA last night? Well, the Clippers had an epic comeback down 35 points against the uh, Washington Wizards. They come back, and Luke Kennard, Scores like seven points in the final uh, 10 seconds of the game to complete the comeback. I mean, just epic right there uh, for them. But tonight, I'm making two picks. The first, the New York Knicks and the Miami Heat. The New York Knicks to me, hey, I've been right with them the past couple weeks on an ESPN or TNT game. However... They're playing Miami. I think it's a different story. Miami wins. With Bam Adebayo being back, it is just great. Tyler Hero's been good. Jimmy Butler, this team, getting healthy. I like Miami Heat uh, to beat the New York Knicks tonight. Bam's been a big key, especially defensively for this team. And, hey, they're number one right now in the East. They keep this pace and they stay healthy. They could finish number one as well. This team has a legit threat to make it back to the NBA Finals. The second game I'm going to pick. The Suns and the Jazz. 
And I'm picking the Utah Jazz. I know what I just said. I don't fear the Utah Jazz. The Suns are better than them. And I agree. The Suns are better. And these two teams just played each other. The Jazz were up, you know, through three quarters. They let the Suns come back. And the Suns have been playing a lot of close games against good teams. They, you know, are down or just right about there at the fourth quarter. And they storm out and win. But Utah was playing on the leg of a back-to-back after I lost to Golden State the night before. Then they lose to the Suns. Now they're back at home. Some rest. I think Utah, you know, wins this game. The Suns, who are playing great, have won seven in a row. But I think the Utah Jazz gets Phoenix uh, to double-digit losses tonight. I like the Utah Jazz and Donovan Mitchell to upset Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns. Now moving on to NHL. Tonight, I'm going to make a couple of game picks as well. The first, the Blackhawks and the Red Wings. You know, both teams kind of struggling. Detroit, especially, they've lost two in a row. Chicago, they've lost four in a row. Right when I thought they were going to try to climb closer back, you know, at the 37 points they've been in, you know, They've hit a skid. Uh, Red Wings were kind of right there. Now I think, actually, the East playoff teams are set. But I like Detroit uh, to win this game. To me, they're the more balanced team uh, as well. They have the better goalie playing right now. No offense to Marc-Andre Fleury, who I love. But I thought this would be a hard year for him, especially last year. Winning the Vesna, looking so great uh, with this team. But... I like Detroit uh, to win this game. Then after that, you have the Boston Bruins and the Colorado Avalanche. And to me, there's not been a team as hot as the Colorado Avalanche right now. They just seem uh, to keep on winning. They've won seven in a row, nine out of their past ten. They only have eight losses. I mean, this team is red hot. And I think... They continue. They win tonight. They beat the Boston Bruins. Now, do I think Kemper is the strongest goalie? No, I don't. But the Colorado Avalanche offensively and even defensively with Cole McCarr, this team is, you know, elite. And I think, you know, they're happy that, you know, Vegas made some questionable moves this offseason. And now Colorado is, I think, the premier team in the Western Conference. Which leads me to my top five teams in the NHL. We're halfway through the NHL season. Who are my top five teams? Well, number five, my Pittsburgh Penguins have finally cracked the list. Why? There has been no team hotter than the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. They have won six in a row. Eight of their past ten and 17 of their past 20 games, Sidney Crosby is playing at a high elite level right now. Jake Gensel as well, 40 points, 21 goals. Chris Letang, 32 points as, or as well, 32 assists. I mean, this team is just a great unified team that has weathered the storm of injuries to Malkin, uh, to Crosby, Tristan Jari. The great goalie that he's been this year. 
taking his game to another level. Evan Rodriguez, just the players that you don't expect to contribute on a nightly basis, and they've gotten contributions from everybody. Pittsburgh is a team everybody better watch out for. Number four, the Carolina Hurricanes, the team I think is going to win uh, the Metro Division. They've got a lot more games in hand. Sebastian Ajo has been good. You know, just really good. Frederick Anderson as well, one of the top goalies in the league. They want that defenseman as well who has uh, 39 points. Tony D'Angelo. Remember him? Guy mired in controversy last year. Finds a second home in the Carolina Hurricanes. And things are working out for him. Things are looking really good for him and this Hurricanes a team who are also on a tear right now, winning seven of their past uh, ten games and have one of the highest goal differentials in the NHL. Number three, the Tampa Bay Lightning. A team that is a perennial, great, regular season team. They just are. Uh, they have been great this year, especially after kind of a slower start. They have turned it on, have turned a notch. They've won seven of their past ten uh, as well, fighting right there in the Atlantic Division in the Eastern Conference, hands down. One of the best teams in the league. They still got one of the best goalies, Kyle Smythe winner, and Andrew Vasilevsky. Steven Stamkos has been healthy all year and has been really good. So I'm totally down with Tampa Bay being a great regular season team and hopefully flaming out in the postseason. Number two, the Florida Panthers. Yes, 63 points tops the league, uh, 29 wins as well, tied for first among lead leaders. Uh, They have had 175 goals scored at tops in the league, goal differential of 50 tops in the league. Good team won seven of their past ten. They have just ran away the depth as well with Huberto and Declare and Barkov and um, their goalie tandem playing well. I mean, everything is clicking for the Florida Panthers right now. But who's number one? The Colorado Avalanche. I know a lot of those things I just said favor the Florida Panthers. But the Avalanche, they played three less games and still eight losses. That is the fewest in the NHL with being tied for the first amount of wins at 29. It's 61 points. Second goal differential, plus 49 uh, Scored 167 goals this year. Offensively, to me, an elite team. Defensively, one of the best. Goalie, Darcy Kemper, has been good. Not great, but good as well. Nazim Kadri, not known for being a point getter, but that is what he has been this year. Uh, definitely refining his game, and it is working out for them in the Colorado Avalanche. Now, just a couple of other notes. On a sadder note, this is the two-year anniversary of the death of Kobe Bryant. Uh, We still mourn the loss of the late, great Kobe Bryant. 
in all the wonderful and positive things that he did throughout his illustrious career and the impact that he still has on the lives of many. Uh, But then, on a happier note, David Ortiz, the big poppy, elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame yesterday, the only one elected yesterday in his sort of first go-around, first ballot uh, Hall of Famer right there. Congratulations to David Ortiz. Now, this has been Get Your Go. Named for two reasons for hot takes I might bring your way. That might bug you, annoy you. But also, the GOAT, as in Tom Brady. Again, I really don't want to spend his last game against the Los Angeles Rams. But again, I think he's a GOAT. What do you think? Who is the greatest athlete of all time? You know, mine is Tom Brady. Who's yours? I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.